So we are, and thanks, uh, Shanae. We are continuing our series this morning, and we're looking at some of the, some of the stories around Jesus and around the things uh, that he has done. And so I have a question for you, and this is a little bit uh, confronting, whatever, so stay with me. I want you to imagine that Pastor Mark, that's me, is coming uh, to your workplace unannounced. You didn't realise I was coming. So whether it's your workplace or your university friends or your college or maybe your playgroup, and suddenly I turn up. And how are you going to introduce me? And what are you going to say? Is that going to be a confronting thing for you in any way? Because obviously, whether I like it or not, I represent something in your life. I went, uh, this is a number of years ago, and I don't think many of you would know the person. They attended our church, uh, not that often, but they were a a lovely person, uh, and they've moved away. But I turned up to pick up 250 sausage roll buns and 250 sausages for a sausage sizzle we were having at church. And I only half remember this person worked at uh, Coles. So I rock up, and there the person is. And I am thinking in that moment, what are they going to say about me? I hadn't had a lot to do with them, uh, not a lot of interaction. They did attend church. It felt like sometimes maybe under sufferance. I don't know. But I turn up, and I'm collecting the uh, 250 sausages and 250 buns, and uh, this person is helping me pack them into the trolley. And their workmate come over, and they say to their workmate, Oh, this is Pastor Mark. He's the pastor at the church that I attend. Do you know how proud I felt in that moment? I'm like, whoa, that is so nice. I didn't want to embarrass them. I don't want to put them in a place that they were uncomfortable, but straight out with it. This is Pastor Mark. He goes, he's a pastor of the church that I attend. And I was so proud in that moment. But, you know, the feelings that I feel and, and the feeling that maybe I'm engendering some of you is, is only a feeling that I've, I've had myself at times. Awkwardness about being a Christian, about sharing my faith, about presenting Jesus. You know, these are feelings that at times I felt embarrassed and awkward about that. Uh, and, you know, uh, what do you do for a job? Oh, man, what do I do for a job? Melinda, my wife, would tell you so often that is just a, uh, that just stops the conversation dead. It's like, okay, we can't be friends anymore. Uh, you know, and you sort of, I, I like people to be my friends. And yet that can really stop the conversation. And isn't it true, and wouldn't you say, that there are moments in your life where your Christianity and your faith and your love for Jesus and the fact that even you come to church is going to be a conversation killer. And what are people going to say? And what would people say if they knew you were a Christian? Some of your response is going to be entirely different. But to those that maybe... have felt awkward and embarrassed about it at some point. Maybe this message and part of this message is for you. Maybe there's something in here that might be helpful for you this morning as we look at this subject. However you want to cut it, whatever you want to say about it, all of us at some point are concerned about how we appear and about how we present ourselves to other people. Even if you are not particularly concerned about the shoes and the pants and the dress and the the top you wear, all of us at some point think about how other people look at us and think about us. 
There's a fantastic uh, scene in, in a good movie called The Devil Wears Prada. Does anyone know the movie The Devil Wears Prada? This is the character Anne Hathaway, and she is in the movie with Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep is the really hard-nosed uh, leader of the fashion magazine that Anne Hathaway has got an internship at. And Anne is a very, in, in the movie, she's a very earnest academic type who, who really does think that fashion is below her. So she picks up this blue sweater that you can see in the picture behind me and she throws it on and she goes off to work and she deliberately wants to say that I don't care what fashion I'm wearing, I'm just going to throw on any old jumper. Meryl Streep uh, in the movie turns to her, uh, noticing her disdain, and starts telling her about the origins of this blue, cerulean blue sweater is actually what it is. And she goes through this whole story about where the sweater came from 10, 15 years ago, describes how fashion has actually infiltrated throughout society and culture, and how this random choice that she's made to wear this jumper is not actually random at all. And she points out the hypocrisy So as much as she might like to pretend she doesn't care, I think at heart we all care how we are perceived. And we all care at some point about how people think about us and what people might say to us. She exposes the hypocrisy that she sees. And this morning, as we look at a story of Jesus, we'll look at Luke 12 in a moment, we are going to see something about Jesus. And I want to say that Jesus is an equal offender. He is quite happy to offend every type of person that comes across his path, whether it's the religious person, the irreligious person, whether it's the disciple, whether it's a friend or a foe. Jesus is really candid and he's quite willing to pop the balloon of someone's hypocrisy. When it comes to sharing your faith, there's always going to be this tension within you about how candid you can be. And I mean, I love, I think we all love Belinda's story, how she shared her faith. What did she do? She asked some questions. She saw a need. And then gently she was able to bring in a point. She didn't push it too far. She just brought in enough. And what an amazing story. And to be honest, it's actually a, like, B won't mind me saying this, it was actually a pretty ordinary situation. And she wasn't giving her some great theological treatise. She was just asking her some questions. How are you? You feel like this. Let me tell you about Jesus. What an amazing story. Sometimes being candid can take all different forms. I want to talk about hypocrisy this morning. I want to talk about being candid. I want to talk about Jesus. I want to talk about his faith. And I want to talk about how it might help you this morning. Because I think at heart... We all want to be able to share our faith and talk about Jesus, but sometimes we struggle with this sense that I don't want to be embarrassed and I don't want it to be awkward. In a moment, we're going to look at Luke 12. In Luke 11, Jesus has just been going toe-to-toe with a whole heap of Pharisees, with a whole heap of religious leaders, and they've been up against him. He's also been doing some miracles. And so we find him in chapter 12, and let's, let's turn there now. You can look at the words on the screen or you can listen as I read to you. Luke 12, verses 1 to 12. I love this little snapshot of Jesus. I love what he's like. You know, every time I open the Bible and read stories of Jesus, I discover something else about him. And I just think he's amazing. (laughs) Meanwhile, the crowds grew until thousands were milling about and stepping on each other. Jesus turned first to his disciples and warned them, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisee, their hypocrisy. 
The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed, and all that is secret secret will be made known to all. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Dear friends, don't be afraid of all those who want to kill your body. They, not, they cannot do any more to you after that. But I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear God who has the power to kill you and throw you into hell. He's the one to fear. What is the price of five sparrows, two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. I tell you the truth. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, the Son of Man will also acknowledge in the presence of God's angels. But anyone who denies me here on earth will be denied before God's angels. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. There's so much in there. Isn't there so much in those 12 verses? So much to encourage you, so much to challenge you, so much to wonder about. Forgiveness, acknowledgement. And Jesus does give some warnings. It's a, it's a fun, I find it humorous that the Bible says there are hundreds of people milling around Jesus, so much that they're standing upon each other. They were milling around Jesus and, and they were around him because of what he's been doing. Two things, I think, had attracted a crowd. Firstly, the miracles that he'd been performing, incredible miracles, healings, people uh, being able to see, uh, uh, people being able to speak. But So that's certainly one part of it. And people were hanging around because they wanted to see a miracle. I mean, this is the news of the day. I think even if Jesus was alive today and that he was doing the things he was doing back then, I still think he would attract a crowd, even with all the other distractions that we have, and they didn't have those, those distractions. He was the key thing in town. You would come, you'd heard about him. The, the, the rumours about him had spread all throughout the place. So people are coming. And let's not forget that there was, at this point in Jesus' career, if you like, his ministry, he's super popular, super popular. And he's very Almost powerful in his influence. Almost. There's something else he's doing, which also was attracting the crowd. It's not the miracles he's saying, but the words that are coming out of his mouth. He has, he's changing the power dynamic. So you had this group of religious scholars and leaders who basically held the people in fear and, and to the law and to legalism. And you could not dare speak out against them. You couldn't say that about those people. You know, there are people in our society, in our culture. You can't say that about them. Well, Jesus was saying that about them. And he was an equal offender. And so when he saw something, no matter who it was, their position, their power, their authority, he would say it. And he was getting away with it. And so it was like, I want to see what he's going to do next, and I want to see what he's going to say next as well. So these people are just gathering around him, and surely this is a moment where he would galvanize that and, and stoke the fire and be nice to everyone and draw more of a crowd. No. In fact, he just looks at people and goes, whack, 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 whack. Man. 
we can be too nice, uh, we can be too harsh. The radical middle of being able to be candid and speak the truth in love and speak the truth kindly and yet still say something. I think that's probably where a lot of us struggle. Where we'll go away from a conversation having not said something and we've got that little ache, I should have said something. I should have said something and we don't. Trying to find that balance for me, I, I will confess to you, is, is just an ongoing life struggle about when to say something and when not to say something. When do we talk? When do we point it out? Jesus is obviously a wonderful example. He talks about hypocrisy and he gives some warnings and I've got them all up there on the screen in a minute. He talks about hypocrisy and he points out the hypocrisy of the people. We know, you probably know and understand that this word is a word from the Greek culture, from the Greek language where someone who was performing a play, performing drama, they would put a, a mask on their face so as to pretend to be someone else. And this is the same word. You would put a mask on your face and you would not present yourself to the crowd, to the people as who you, you, you are, but as someone else. And this is what Jesus is saying. You're actually like this, but you're showing yourself to people like that. You know, for me, I love people that are authentic. And I love it when I'm talking to someone and they're just, yeah, I've got problems with this, this, this and this. Because I know we've all got, I've got problems. I know we've all got problems. But it's when we hide those problems from each other and when we seek to present ourselves as someone that we're not, People can smell that a mile away. When you're presenting your faith, when you're wanting to talk about Jesus, you don't want to say, I've got all the answers and and this is perfect. You don't have to present that. One of the things that I I find really helpful is when someone asks a question or brings something to you and you don't know the answer, is to say, look, I just don't know. There are things about the Christian faith which I'm going to stand before you here today and say, I just don't understand that. Some aspects of suffering which go on in the world and evil which is brought upon people through evil people, which I just don't understand if I'm honest that God doesn't break through and just do something about that. There are some things about Christianity which you will not understand and will not get. You have a finite mind the same as me and it's okay to say that. There are also some things about yourself where you struggle and it's okay to say, I'm struggling. Jesus warns about hypocrisy. He says you need to be candid. And it's interesting in this passage of scripture that, he, that the whole crowd is there and they're milling around and they're trying to hear what he says. And you can imagine there's no microphones, there's no amplification. And they're all trying to strain in to listen to what he says. But the scripture makes it clear that in this piece of the, the scripture, Jesus actually turns to the disciples and he says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. This is for you, my, my group. You need to hear this. And he directs it straight to them. And he's candid. I've got a friend and his, um, his name is Matt. And uh, Matt is a great guy. And he, uh, it's, all on, it's all public. But he used to be about 125, 130 kilos. And he joined a running club. And he's dropped like 40 kilos. And he just looks like a totally different person. And he goes and he does these park runs. And he's... 
eventually his wife has joined him and, and now they do these part runs together. And we were sitting down having coffee the other day and he said to me, Mark, this is the most, I've, he's been in ministry and churches and all the rest. He said, this has been the best opportunity for me in terms of just sharing my faith that I've ever had. Um, the other day his wife was talking to someone who wasn't particularly feared or healthy and just saying, come, come to the park run, come round and run down the park with him. And he's like, she's like an evangelist for park run, uh, telling people to come and run. You know, it's so good for you. I can't think of anything worse, man. You're not winning me over. But, but still come, come and do this run with us on this park run. And she's like an evangelist. And I said, isn't it interesting that she can so freely and passionately share with someone about parkrun, and yet the truth is so often we find it difficult to share about Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the most important thing we have, and we, we believe in him, and we believe he's changed our lives, and we believe he's done something incredible for us. Uh, and yet you, you look at the benefits of parkrun, and she can spell them out for you. It's just an encouragement to talk about what Jesus has done for you, to share about the positive things he's, he's achieved in your life and how he has helped you in your life. When you're sharing your faith, you have every uh, opportunity and within the realms of credibility to say, this is my story. This is what Jesus has done for me. And this is why I love him. And this is why he's important in my life. Be candid. We share because it's good. I hate it when people say, your faith, I don't mind if you're a Christian, but just keep that to yourself, which is a private matter. It's not a private matter. In fact, the whole basis of Jesus, the whole basis of, the, of Jesus coming to the world is that everyone would know. The, the basis of our faith is that we share it. We have an invitational faith. It's not a private thing. It's actually something that Jesus asks us to share about. And don't be afraid of people. Man, I... This is, this is one for me, right? Um, being afraid of people. Not wanting people to get upset because I'm confronting them or talking to them about my faith. Being afraid of people. Interesting, when Jesus uh, was speaking this to the disciples, I wonder if you've ever thought about what actually happened to the disciples. And maybe it'll give us a little bit of perspective, but I did a little bit of research during the week Peter and Paul, and this is some of this is from the Bible, some of this is from church history, some of this is absolutely true, and some of this is probably true. So let me just give that disclaimer. But these things are probably true. This is probably what happened to the disciples. Peter and Paul martyred in Rome about 66 AD. Uh, Paul was beheaded. Peter uh, asked to be crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified like Jesus. Andrew probably went off to a region near the Soviet Union. Uh, people claim Andrew as being the first evangelist to their region. Uh, he was crucified. Thomas, active probably around Syria, uh, maybe as far east as India. Uh, he died when he was pierced through uh, with four soldiers, pierced him with um, spears. Philip probably went to North Africa and Asia Minor. He converted the wife of a Roman, um, a Roman official. He, the Roman official then had Philip killed because he had led his wife to Jesus. Matthew, the tax collector, the conservative tax collector. One of the oldest reports said that he was not martyred. Some others say that he was probably stabbed to death in Ethiopia. Bartholomew took the gospel to India, uh, uh, Armenia, Ethiopia, maybe even southern Arabia. And there are many accounts of how he was martyred for his faith. James, 
one of the three James referred to in the New Testament, the Jewish historian Josephus reports that he was stoned and then clubbed to death. Simon the Zealot ministered in Persia and was killed after refusing to sacrifice to the sun god. Matthias, the apostle chosen to replace um, Judas, was killed to death uh, through burning. John the Apostle, we know John didn't actually die. Perhaps he actually went up to heaven and didn't die at all. One of the few that didn't. And we look at that account and, it, I don't know, it puts it into perspective, at least for a bit. It makes us say, wow, all these people, all these disciples that followed Jesus paid the ultimate price and were happy and willing to do that because of what he had done. But I don't want to discount for a moment the struggle that you may feel in sharing your faith and even the persecution if you like that you may feel in sharing your faith and in telling people about Jesus the threat it may be to your employment and to opportunities and to relationships that's actually real you put it into perspective with uh, being martyred for your faith and maybe you'd say well it's nowhere near as bad as that and maybe it's not but still sharing your faith and telling people about Jesus may cost you there very well may be a cost let us, let's not be jerks about it. Let's not make the cost because we're being a, a, a silly Christian. But if you share your faith and you share it lovingly and kindly and truthfully, there may very well be a price. And Jesus says, don't be afraid of people. Uh, instead, put your, your trust and your respect in Jesus. Time is short. There are no secrets with God. Everything will be revealed. Jesus will deny those who speak against who, who don't accept him. Those who, blaspheme, those who blaspheme the Spirit will not be forgiven. Hold on, Mark. I thought you said every sin was forgivable. Surely God can forgive anything. Well, it's clear in the Scriptures here. It says if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. I wonder what it's referring to. I wonder if it's the person that deliberately chooses that they do not want to follow God. They actually make the choice. God has given us choice. He's given you choice. He's given us all choice. And if we consistently and stubbornly do not want to follow God and will not choose God, then he will respect that choice. If you don't want to follow Jesus, he's not going to make you. And I believe this sin is that sin. And we can think of people who have heard the gospel, who've heard about Jesus, and yet say, no, no. And they continue to say no. God, the Holy Spirit, is a gentleman. He will not go where he is not invited. And there is a sober warning in that piece of scripture. A sober warning from Jesus. True spiritual courage doesn't come from ourselves. Instead, true spiritual courage comes from the Holy Spirit. So what do you do? What do you do in those moments? Well, just as we come to a close, uh, and we're almost done this morning, the last little bit of scripture there talks about what do we say and how do you overcome these things? And how do you overcome the things that hinder you from sharing your faith. Because in this room, all of us will perhaps find different things. 
But I wonder how it feels for you to stand up for Jesus. I wonder how it feels for you to say, look, yeah, I'm a believer. I believe in Christ and I believe Jesus has a plan for my life and has a plan for yours. I wonder how that feels to share your faith. I love what Jesus says here because he he speaks to you and he speaks to me. Don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say for the Holy Spirit will teach you what to say at the time what needs to be said. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. But I really want to encourage you, just as you heard uh, even what Belinda was saying at communion, was there anything really difficult about what she said? Was there any great knowledge that you needed to be able to do that? Did you need to go to Bible college? Did you need to study theology? Did you need to have the perfect answer at the perfect time? No. Those things are good and they may very well be helpful and they may very well be keys for someone. But as I look at the people in this room, you are all in places and spaces, all different places and all different. You have interactions with people all over Perth, every one of you. And I believe God has you there for a reason. I believe you are where you are because there's people that God wants you to share your faith with. That the Lord Jesus wants you to talk to about him. You don't have to give them the four spiritual laws. You don't have to give them the Roman road. You don't have to give them some well thought out plan in the moment. You don't have to have the exact right words. What you can rely upon is the prompting of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help you know what to say in that moment. The other day, I had to go uh, get Melinda's car from uh, the mechanic. And so they sent an Uber. And so the Uber driver, I don't catch Ubers very often, but they sent one. The guy was there. I was talking to him. Turns out he's from Iraq. A really nice guy. And, of course, we were talking about the election and who you're going to vote for, and he had very strong opinions on the election, who we're going to vote for. And as he's telling me his story, I'm just asking him questions, and he's talking about how terrible it is back where he lives. His mother's still there, his brothers and sisters. He's the only one that's gotten out. And we have, and he's, he's talking a lot. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, I, I want to say something about Jesus you know, I want to share something about my faith. He didn't even ask me what I did for a job. So there wasn't even that opportunity. And I was feeling, you know, the sort of conversation you have where it was beyond the surface level, that we were going to deep places in his psyche and about him. And I thought, gee, surely I can share about Jesus in this moment. And I felt like, man, I just need a break in the conversation. Lord, help me. And it didn't feel like there was going to be an opportunity. But... Toward the end, and we were pulling into the car park, I felt God just helping me to say this. I said, look, you know what? I'm really glad you are here in Australia. I'm really glad you've been given this opportunity. And I just want to say to you, God bless you. Now, that feels a bit weird. What God? And all these other sort of questions may come up. I didn't give him the perfect answer about Jesus is the only way and all the rest. But in that moment, I did say that. And I hope and I believe that that may be part of his journey, that someone said, I'm really glad you're here and you've got this opportunity 
It's really good. And God bless you. It didn't feel enough, but it was what I offered. And for you, that's, that's, that's your requirement. To not feel you have to tick all the boxes, for not feel you have to get it all right, you don't. Just to hear the voice of God and to share your faith. Maybe to share a bit of your own story. To say what Jesus has done for you. You can do it. I believe in you. You can all do it. Let's help people say yes to Jesus. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that he came. Thank you, Lord, that there are opportunities and people that you have brought into our lives. May we find divine opportunities. May you bring someone along our path this week. I pray for everyone here in this room that would say they are a a Jesus believer. Everyone watching at home that would say they believe in Jesus. I ask in your kindness and your grace that we will be bearers of your kingdom, that we will advance your kingdom this week through sharing love and truth, grace, stories inspired by the presence of the Holy Spirit. May we help people say yes to Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you next week. Have a great week. God bless. Be well.